Okay, and we're back once again. Thank you for joining us. This is Keith Johnson, and you've come across the Peace Radicals Show with Mark J. Victor and Attorneys for Freedom Law Firm. Thanks for joining us, everybody. And uh, here we are, Mark. What's new today with the Peace Radicals uh, Show with the with the Live and Let Live movement? You know, I always like to pause and think about that name, Peace Radicals. Right? I mean, we're radical, right? Because we think peace is uh, makes a lot of sense for rules in terms of how we should interact with each other here while we're on the planet. I mean, look, if people want to call me a radical because I think uh, peace makes sense, then fine, I'll accept that. But right. it sure doesn't seem very radical. Um, but anyways, yeah, we should probably, this is our third show. And I know some people are probably hearing the Peace Radicals show for the first time. So we should re recap a little bit. And I should also say that uh, we intend to have all of the past episodes of this show available for people to listen to on the Live and Let Live website, which Absolutely. is just liveandletlive.org. And there's tons of information about really what we're talking about here, which is the Live and Let Live movement. And then uh, I always like to say at the beginning of the show and sometimes at the end that uh, people can always get a hold of me. I like to say I'm the easiest lawyer to get a hold of probably on the planet. I check my emails every day. Uh, you can get a hold of me really through the law firm website which right. is uh, attorneysforfreedom.com, just all spelled out, attorneys and then forfreedom.com, or just shoot me an email directly. It's mark, M-A-R-C, at attorneysforfreedom.com. And I'd love to hear from people uh, if they agree, that's great. If they disagree, I'd like to hear from them as well. If, if you disagree with what I'm saying, let's have a civilized conversation. We're big boys and girls. We live in America and uh, people have a right to disagree. Let's just do it in a civilized kind of way. Right. Love to bring some of those emails on the show. Read a couple of them maybe next Yeah, week. totally. Yeah. yeah. Hit me up with some emails. I'd love to answer your questions on the show and uh, concerns or if people have things that uh, don't make sense to them. Yeah. Let me know. So, yeah, we talked about on the first couple of shows anyways, really what we mean when we say live and let live. Because, you know, I've noticed wherever I go, whatever group I speak to, if I say... Raise your hand if you're for live and let live. Everybody raises their hand, right? Sure, it's like saying, right. raise your hand if you're for freedom. Everybody's for freedom. Well, if everybody's for freedom, why don't we have freedom? Right. Why, I mean, we have, look, to be fair, we, we've got a decent amount of freedom in this country, right? Relative relative, relative to other countries, but we could have a lot more. In fact, um, you know, I take the position, and I think it's pretty well-founded, that the very reason the United States is the superpower is because we've had more freedom relative to other countries, right? There are consequences to a free society, right? right. People trade freely. People are uh, able to venture their capital and start businesses and employ other people and really raise standards of living. That's what we're trying to do, right? At the end right. of the day, what's the point of all this? We're trying to increase human happiness and reduce human suffering. I mean, if you disagree with those goals, you're not going to like anything I'm talking about on this show. <laughs> but if you agree with those goals, then yeah, let's let's talk about it. So live and let live. People say, yes, I'm for live and let live. Okay, great. It's one big love fest until I say, what do you think that means? Right. What does it mean to live and let live? And, uh, you know, it's worthy of discussion. I think it's a principle we're talking about. There's no magic words in live and let live. There are other ways to express the principle, right? I mean, you know, people, a lot of my religious friends will say, uh, you know, live by the golden rule. Right. Treat other people how you want them to treat you. Seems like another way to say exactly the same principle, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. You leave me alone, I'll leave you alone. Don't mess with me, I won't mess with you. 
My Mormon friends will say, uh, Joseph Smith said, teach them correct principles, but let them govern themselves. Right. If you really take that one apart too and deconstruct it, yeah. Kind of the same thing. Same thing as live and let live. So if there's one thing I know live and let live has to mean, it means you can't hit other people over the head. You can't be an aggressor. Right. There's just no way to reconcile somebody who is an aggressor, right? Somebody who puts a gun in somebody's face and says, uh, look, I'm stealing your car. That's not a live and let live attitude no. for sure. So we can definitely rule out aggression, right? And if you're for live and let live, you can't be for aggression. You can't say uh, it's okay to initiate, to be an initiator of aggression. Okay, so what does that mean, right? Well, using force against somebody, initiating force. Now, again, to be fair, um, some force is necessary, right? Self-defense. If other people initiate aggression, we're not pushing pacifism here. Right. Um, you have a right to defend yourself and you have a right to employ other people to help you defend yourselves. That's not initiating aggression. That's responding to another person's initiation of aggression. Right. So it means you you can't initiate force against another person or fraud, right? Because fraud is just another version of initiating aggression, right? You're, you're basically getting somebody to change their position based on a lie. Right. And they're relying on that lie. That's what fraud is, right? I mean, the fraud has some legal elements that we could talk about, but fraud violates the live and let live rule. A lot of that going on these days. Yeah. I mean, when, to the extent it's going on, it should be stopped immediately. It violates the rule. And also coercion, right? The guy, the guy who sticks his gun in your face and says, give me your keys, I'm taking your car. He's not actually using force. He didn't touch you, right? Right. He's not defrauding you in some way. There's no misstatement or false statement here. But he's damn sure coercing you. That's why we think coercion is wrong too. So we should be able to get reasonable people to say, yeah, there's not a lot of controversy here, right? If you're an initiator of force or fraud or coercion, the law should say you can't do that. And if we find you doing it, then we're going to stop you immediately. We're going to give you a scrupulously fair trial. But if it turns out you actually violated the live and let live rule, yeah, maybe you should go to jail or pay a fine or be put on probation. Should be some consequence. And who would complain about this, right? right. I mean, some of my clients, having represented people for the last 26 years as a criminal defense lawyer, some of my clients disagree with this. They're initiators of force, right? <laughs> right? Those Okay, there are people on the planet who don't agree with the live and let live rule. That's, in my opinion, not a reasonable position. You it, can't be reasoned with, you use force. It's their economic structure. Whatever it is, <laughs> it should be prohibited, legally no, no. speaking. Right. And of course, you know this doesn't end the analysis because we have to provide for um, creating risks of other people to other people, right? I mean, you can imagine all kinds of scenarios. What if I'm storing a recklessly storing uh, flammable jet fuel on the edge of my property next to yours and i think it's fun to throw mat- lit matches over the top of them am i actually using force no fraud coercion no but i'm definitely messing with you right <laughs> i've affected your life you got to stop what you're doing and be very concerned that i'm not going to blow up your house right. what am i actually doing I'm creating a substantial risk of being an aggressor. And that's outlawed too. And the reason we know people agree with that is because they overwhelmingly agree with the idea of self-defense, right? I mean, self-defense, you don't have to wait till another person's fist hits your face when they create a substantial and imminent risk 
of using their fist to hit your face, you can hit them right at that point. You don't have to wait. And it's because the law and reasonable people and uh, really principles of America, that's what we're talking about, the principles upon which America was founded. Not all of them. They weren't all great. Slavery was there. We gotta, right. We should deal with it and be honest about it. It uh, It's obviously wrong now. It was wrong then. So our, our founding fathers had some great ideas and great principles, but let's not pretend they were perfect. They weren't. They had some very serious problems. But the idea of live and let live is really something upon which our country was founded more firmly than any other place on the planet. That's one of the reasons our you know, written constitutions lasted so long because it was founded, was an attempt by smart people, generally smart people, people sophisticated in political philosophy who were trying to sort of enshrine these ideas. People of, with foresight, yeah, I, people, I think. Natural rights and kind of, I mean, if you look back and why did people leave uh, Europe to come to North America in the first place was religious freedom, right? We want to be right. left alone. We want to believe whatever we want to believe, and they should be left alone as long as they're peaceful. So really, that's the live and let live principle, and it is a very important part to understand this, is basically saying, look, we all have ideas about morality, right? And some, we don't all agree. We should, we should sort of be able to say, uh, okay, we've been arguing about morality now for thousands of years, Right, and we're not in agreement. <laughs> it doesn't mean that that our neighbors are unreasonable. It means that morality can be tough sometimes, and um, not all reasonable people agree on all moral issues. Like that's just mm. the, the fact of reality. But there are some basic things like the live and let live rule that that pretty much all general, um, well accepted schools of thought on morality and the major religions of the world and just common decency among people, we should be able to agree that aggressing against another person is the wrong thing. The other issues of morality, you know, whether it's a a sin to engage in prostitution or whether gay people having sex is a sin or not, we don't need to converge on this if what we can agree on is moral issues should be outside the law. Right. Right. Then we... If we could agree, if we could get our brains around the difference between a legal issue, which I would say is when somebody violates the live and let live rule, and a moral issue, which is basically everything else. Right. If the live and let live rule is not violated, okay, we should be able to maybe even call each other names. I should be able to say, look, Keith, I think you're totally screwed up on this. Take, for example, uh, something we talked about, it might have been on our first show, the the moral rule to respect your elders. Right. You might say the hell with respect. I don't respect people just because they're old. I don't like old people. Or Okay, you have every right to have that position. We can disagree. I might say, look, I was raised with the idea in mind that the right thing to do is to respect your elders just because they're your elders. And you might completely disagree. But what are the, what are the consequences of us having disagreements on that point? Nothing. Right. As long as we don't break the live and let live rule, all right, um, you won't. You don't respect your elders, or maybe, maybe we'll shun you, or we won't. Maybe I, I won't let you be my friend, or something. If you have bad morality, but at the end of the day, I don't want the police coming and arrest you because we have differences on moral views, right? Right. Because if we don't agree on that, if we say no, 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 moral views really should be put into the law, then we have what we got now, which is an endless fight between different groups of people, each seeking to impose through the law by force their particular moral views on other people. 
And that never ends. Do you suppose that's what they had in mind, our forefathers, when they talked about the division of church and state? Well, you know, people ask me these kinds of questions a lot. What did our forefathers have in mind? And I think generally speaking, you're probably, we're probably safe saying, yeah. I mean, they they codified it. They, they Look, Jefferson wrote the letter to the Baptists when he talked about a wall of separation be church, between church and state. The First right. Amendment has these sort of twin religious clauses, the free exercise of religion and the establishment clause. Seems pretty clear that at least a majority of our founding fathers thought it was a good idea to keep church and state separate. And of course, this is a, this should be an obviously good idea. Right. <laughs> I mean, this is why people left Europe in the, in first, the first place. place right. In places that, that combine religion and government together and then impose religious rules through the government on everybody, these aren't generally good places to live. Right? I, never, I never understood why some religious people feel that they should impose their religious views on others through force right. by using the law. I mean, what does this say about the persuasiveness of your religious views? All I can think about is History of the World Part 1, the movie, and the Inquisition show. Yes, right, right. <laughs> Mel Brooks, his good stuff. But, you know, really, I think that, and, and to be fair, there are many, many religious people who understand this, right? Who, who absolutely support a separation of church and state because they don't want the government polluting up their religion in the first place. But I think it's a mistake to try to package our founding fathers as being all of one mind. Oh. I don't think they were all of oh, one no. mind. There were lots of... Dis- I know they weren't. Yeah. Uh, there's letters and documents to prove that uh, they said amongst themselves that you couldn't get 10 of us in a room to agree on anything. Right. I mean, <laughs> you can even that today, people don't generally agree when you start getting into the finer points. I think it's all that Irish immigration. I was kind of raised to not agree with anybody or anything. Sometimes people disagree <laughs> my, for the sake my, of... My mother encouraged it. Sometimes it's just the sport of disagreeing, right? Right. But so, but you know, people, so they weren't all of one mind. We know that. I mean, we Not could compare all. and contrast sort of Jefferson's views on government with Hamilton's views on government. And, you know, Hamilton spoke of energetic government. Now, now of course, I once asked a, a good historian what they thought Alexander Hamilton would think if he came back today and looked at the very energetic government we have today. And I think the answer, I think most historians would agree that even the energetic government of Alexander Hamilton never envisioned anything close to what we got going on right now. I mean, we got... We got a government right now that basically takes the position they can do virtually anything to anybody at any time for any reason. Basically. There there are some restrictions, to be fair. Um, We've carved out some areas that are fairly well protected, right? Freedom of speech is pretty good in the United States. Maybe not perfect, but frankly, there's not a lot I would change there. I think for the most part, the content of your speech is fairly well protected, in the United States, there are some other areas, but then there are other, there are some other areas that are not well protected at all, which is basically everything in the economic liberties area and everything in the property rights area. Right. Government can just intrude over all, all the maloprohibitum stuff. And, and, if, uh, and if you don't protect property eminent rights, domain. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it's in the Constitution for the people who sort of revere everything about the Constitution, and that's in there. You know, right. there are a lot of things. Slavery was not unconstitutional when the Constitution, in fact, m- many of the founding fathers were slave owners. Yeah. And, and even Jefferson never freed his slaves, even on his deathbed. And I think we have to hold that against him, to yeah. be fair. Yeah. 
So I don't like to hold up the founding fathers as being perfect. That doesn't mean that because they weren't perfect, that they didn't have good ideas or great ideas. Otherwise, there were a lot of great ideas. But we need to improve on this, right? We've, we've got now the benefit of looking back almost 250 years at the experiment and saying, how's it shaken out, right? I don't think anybody who was involved in the great experiment, which is the United States at the beginning, would be looking around today and say, it's just, it worked out just like we thought it would work out. <laughs> it didn't. No. It didn't work out like that. And if you look at the long train of abuses that were uh, alleged against King George III in the Declaration of Independence, it doesn't look that bad to me, actually. No, I think you and I were talking about it on the first show. The first Tea Party thing was over 2%. 2% tax on tea. Yeah. Imagine that. Imagine we're not that. Put, who are they to put a 2% tax on our tea? We can't, we're throw this stuff in the ocean, in right? One of my local cities I frequent frequently around here, uh, I think they're up to 9.2%. Can you imagine a 2% tax on tea generated a group formed called the Sons of Liberty, Liberty, who dressed up and snuck up on the ship and threw all the tea into Boston Harbor to, just to make the point to the king, right. who they thought was divinely inspired, by the way, right. who led the most powerful military in, in, the, in the history of the planet at that time. We don't care. Not only are we throwing the tea overboard, we're just going to send this big declaration, which John Hancock, maybe the shortest guy of them all, signed in an extra big way to make sure that the king could see it, right? right. And it took some guts. Where are those? We need those guys back right. today, right? Yes, we so, do. Yeah. so we So we talk a little bit about live and let live. I think we should get into some of the harder issues because I've sort of teased around a little bit on the first couple of shows that, you know, taxation violates the live and let live rule. Right. And, and then, of course... Gets people thinking like, oh my God, how could we run the world without taxation? We right. need to talk about that maybe on the other side of the break. Love to get into the economics on that. Sounds great. And that is the break. And my name's Keith Johnson. We're here with Mark J. Victor and the Peace Radical Show. And we'll see you in a minute. And we're back. Thank you for joining us here at the Radio Ranch family, the network, the bull and the rattler. Uh, if you just are now joining us, you're coming on to the Peace Radical Show with Mark J. Victor and Attorneys for Freedom Law Firm. We're just in the middle of talking about the live and let live movement and uh, going to chat a little about taxation and how it fits in now. Yeah, you know, when if, if you listen to the last segment, right, you probably said, wow, this makes a lot of sense. I'm, of course, all, all we're really saying is don't be an aggressor, right? Don't hit people over the head and uh, don't defraud them and don't coerce them and don't put them at substantial risks of such thing. Who would disagree with that? It seems like a simple way to run the world to me, but... Yeah, until you start getting into the weeds. And I, you know, just because I've talked about these kinds of issues for almost 30 years now, I've been kicking them around in discussion groups with other lawyers and law professors and people, crazy people like me who are interested in these kinds of things who are really thinking about how could we improve the world? What's wrong with the world? And how could we improve it? And... You know, the answer here is there are many things wrong with the world, but if we don't get the law straight, we got a lot that's wrong, right? Because, uh, you know, when the law is wrong, the society goes off the tracks. We can point to many different societies in the history of the world who got the law wrong, right? I mean, Nazi well, Germany I'm, comes to mind first, right? right. There's a place where you've got a guy lawfully appointed to office. There was no problem with Hitler's rise to power in terms of legality in Germany. He didn't sort of rise in a coup or anything like that. And he right. was put there properly and he passed laws properly. And those were the laws and they were enforced by the judges and all. And it was totally a hundred percent all wrong. 
So, I mean, I, when I argue with prosecutors about things sometimes and they say, well, you look, Mark, the law is the law. Like that's the end of the discussion. Right. I said, yeah, that's what they said in Nuremberg. Right. During the Nuremberg trial. No, <laughs> right. the, yeah, the law is yeah, the, the law, law, but sometimes the law is wrong. Right. That's exactly what Martin Luther King was saying in his letter from Birmingham jail when he talked about unjust laws. It's what Gandhi talked about. Just because something's the law doesn't mean it's right. No, we made them. There are more important things that, that give rise to the law. And this is what I'm suggesting is the... Uh, you know, look, to be fair, right? Law is not completely separate from morality. You can't have any no. law. With, I mean, at the end of the day, when you say murder is wrong, that's really a moral conclusion, right? Right. But the difference is we, we don't want to put all our moral conclusions in the law for obvious reasons. This is the least common denominator. It's the thing that reasonable people ought to agree on. And it all sounds great. Until we get to taxation, right? Because, right? Uh, I mean, I guess you could, the starting point of this is, well, uh, you know, the general analysis for any issue, as far as I'm concerned, no matter what the issue is, if somebody said, hey, Mark, how do you feel about issue X? I'm going to say, well, tell me about issue X. What it, describe it to me. Right. And the only thing I'm listening for is whether or not somebody's violating the rule. Right. If somebody's violating the rule, then of course, I'm, my response is going to be, well, look, the rule's violated. And so I, I, I think we should immediately stop that activity and give the person a fair trial. And if they're found guilty of violating the rule, we should deal with them. They should get a formal consequence. If they're not violating the rule, on the other hand, well, I may point out that I may be against it. It may be immoral, unhealthy, unwise. I might do my best to talk the person out of doing whatever they're doing. Say, look, you're being an idiot. Don't do that. It's immoral. It's it's wrong. It's a sin. It's unhealthy. It's unwise. Whatever. It's high risk. Whatever it is. Yeah. But I got to stop short of saying my judgment supersedes your judgment. Right. And I want to use the law to force you to stop doing that thing. So that's how I come down on every issue. So we look at taxes and, well, okay, we can pretend if we want that taxes are something they're not. But if you want to be fair, and I think as we should, we talk about a commitment to truth in rational thought when we talk about the aspirational values of the live and let live movement. So what's the truth about what taxes are? We were separating people from their money, whether right. they like it or, or not. not, right? Whether they like it or not. And so does it change it because the majority voted on it? We had a free and fair election and we've all decided we're going to separate you from your money. Right. I mean, is it when you put it in those terms, does it really change the analysis? Not I mean, really. Think it about it. I, I, I want to, if I take your money out of your wallet without your permission, I probably do, I, I clearly violate the rule, right? Right. What if I get all my neighbors together and we just, uh, we, we show up at your front door and we say, look, uh, we've all decided that we're taking your money. Do right. I violate the rule? Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. What if I call a vote instead? And I say, look, Keith, oh, look, we don't want to, we don't want to be uncivilized here. We're going to call a vote. And uh, if the majority decides to separate you from your money, does that really change anything? Right. Well, it was like you were saying the other day, uh, the people have these powers and they instill them to that agent, the government. And if the people don't have collectively the power to do that, why does our government body? Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, right, because whether you're talking about a I mean, we should be able to agree that individuals can't do this, right? I mean, right. We, it, well, sh it shouldn't take me too much work to say, look, if you take somebody's wallet and open it up and take the money out without their permission, that's a wrong thing to do, right? Yes, that violates the live and let live rule, right? Right. That should be easy. 
If it takes me more than a couple of minutes to get that point across, I'm, prob- I'm probably moving on to the next conference. Thank you very much. It's been a nice chatting with you, but I'm moving on. Right. So when we form an organization or a group or a government, what are we doing? We're getting together and we're saying, let's create an organization. And we delegate some of our authority to that organization. And that's fine, right? For example, if, uh, if we're neighbors and uh, I got a right to protect my property, you got a right to protect your property. But look, I'm a lawyer, right? I don't want to patrol my property at night. I'm busy sleeping or I'm writing briefs or I'm, I got to go to court tomorrow. So I can hire somebody. I can even form up an organization, the Neighborhood Block Watch, and say, look, you guys act as my agent and patrol my property and you do everything I can do. I can't give them the right to do things I can't do. Right. Right? And so that's not a problem. What if I told my agent to take your money? Right. <laughs> do I have that right? I mean, I didn't have the right in the first place. I can't delegate that to an agent. And not only do I not have that right, no no individual has that right. So if we get together and we form a, an organization or a group or a government, we can only delegate rights that we actually have. So that organization or group or government can't do anything that we collectively couldn't give it the power to do. Right. So to simply pretend that somehow through magic, well, the government has a right to tax, but none of the people who formed the government had any right to take to your tax. money without your right. per Right. And it is different because we call it a special word. Okay, well, look, let's not call it theft or robbery. Let's call it taxation. That's a nice fancy word. It's got a nice sound to it. Taxation. But at the end of the day, it's not any different. I know some people say, well, it's really voluntary, Mark. Well, look, you can test this. You don't need to take... I, I, I tried last year. I sent the IRS a letter and asked them to please politely remove me from their mailing yes. list. They took a dim view of it. I have clients. We call them criminal tax clients <laughs> who take such positions. Right? They do. I mean, I've... I've had many people in federal court on criminal tax matters who take the position that taxes are voluntary. You know, our great governor, governor Meacham here in uh, Arizona a few years ago, I took that same, same view. The government uh, never agrees that yeah. it doesn't have the power to tax, right? It right. just doesn't. And so you could, but you can test it. Um, you, you may keep my phone number handy first, <laughs> but you, you can test this by simply refusing to send the money. And, right. and w- it'll probably take a while, but at some point, somebody's going to show up with a shiny badge and take your money. They're going to seize your accounts. They're going to take your property. But by force, whatever force is needed, they are going to separate you from your money. But if we all tell them no thank you all at the same time, well then. Well, you're encouraging a tax (laughs) protest. And as a lawyer, I can't encourage people, nor do I, to violate the law. I want to change the law. That's the point of the movement. That's the point of laws. I want to change the law because it's not right. No. And so, okay, so we can, I think we can establish pretty clearly that whether an individual takes your money without your permission or whether an individual calls a, uh, forms a group with other individuals, even if they call that group a government. Still not legitimate. No, I mean, it, unless you argue that these governments and uh, organizations have rights independent of the people who form them, if they do, I don't know where they get such rights from. Nor do I, but I... Right? Would... I mean, yes, we, we have the same problem when I say, look, you own yourself. You might say, Mark, I disagree with that theory of property. I don't think I own me and you own you. Okay, we can go down that rabbit hole if you like, but I can tell you first thing, 
if you if you really don't assert a claim over your own body, someone else might. Might. Yeah. I, Depending on what your body looks like, I might assert a claim. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but but seriously, I mean, I think we all assert a claim. Look, I, all I'm living, thinking of my social security number. Aren't they asserting a claim? All living things assert self-ownership, if you think, right? Even the dog. If you mess with him long enough, he's going <laughs> to growl and bite. Why? Because at the end of the day, he thinks he owns him. Right. And he thinks you're messing with Even plants, they act in their own self-interest themselves. They turn their leaves towards the sun. That's just the nature of living things. All living things act in ways that they at least perceive are in their self-interest. Right. And that's something we can bank on. Right. We know that to be true. So if... If you don't want to quarrel over, look, I own me and you own you. If you want to quarrel over that, we can go down that rabbit hole. But but if you th if you assume you own yourself, then you have the right to do certain things with your body and everything is built from there, right? Right. I can trade my labor, my time in exchange for your money and then it becomes my money and now I can do with my money just like I can control my body. I can control the proceeds of what I did with my body to get that money, right? Right. This is easy. So people immediately will say, I can get them to say, look, okay, fine. Taxes, yeah, okay, it takes people's money without their permission. Yes, it's true that maybe there's a problem here that the government doesn't really have this right, even if people vote on it, even if it's a full and fair and open and free election, even if they say, yes, but we're going to use this money for such great purposes. Well, what would you say to the thief, Keith? If he said, look, I'm stealing your money. And, and I'm sorry that you don't like that, but don't don't worry. I'm going to use it for a good purpose. I'm going to give it all the orphanage down the street. Whatever, right. yeah. Whatever. <laughs> do you say, well, okay, that's I, it's nice to. I mean, no, we're still going right. to be upset about it, right? And when, even if he says, look, I'm going to give it to the orphanage, but some of it I'm going to give back to you. Isn't right. it? I'm going to give you a rebate. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to improve this or that for you. Still, I mean, right. it still doesn't fix the underlying theft. Really right? doesn't. Does so it? I think once we get over that hurdle and we say, look, okay. Fine, Mark, you convinced me. Yes, I think aggression is wrong. Yes, I recognize that a rose by any other name is still a rose. And even if we call it taxation, it's still theft. Or for those out there listening, paying close attention, maybe robbery, right? Because right. a theft with a threat of force, we call robbery. Robbery, don't so, we? So I mean, you could say taxes are robbery. People immediately run to the end and say, okay, Mark, fine, but how would we get this? How would we get that? How would we get the next thing? Society would absolutely fall apart if we stopped stealing money from each other. Completely open free trade society. That's how. Can you imagine that, that thought? <laughs> what an awful idea. Right. Unless, we, unless we continue to steal money, take people's money without their permission, we couldn't possibly have a civilized society. I got to tell you, I reject that. Likewise. I reject it. Not only that, but I think it's worth pausing and saying, even if that was true, I'm still not going to be for theft. Right. I'm sorry. Theft to me is wrong. And I'm going to find a way to, to get what we need to get and to have a civilized society without theft. Imagine if we could do that. What if we could actually come up with creative ways to do all the things that we want to do in the world without taxation? Would that make sense? I think so. I, think, I think if we want to be consistent, right? If we want to say, look... Aggression is wrong. We have to say taxes don't fit. And then we have to come up with some solutions on how we get things. I mean, first off, um, remember what government does, right? Government doesn't really build anything. Government just shifts resources around. Right. Right. Government takes from you and then hires a private company to go build the road. 
right. or to go do this or go do that. So the money doesn't really come from government, no. right? They can print more money, thereby devaluing the money we already have. Right. We know about the gold. We need to do a show about the gold standard. We right? definitely do. Well, this one kind of fits in too, as far as I, you it's know, a, the it's way a, I see it. It's a, when you let the government. I like your argument lots better than mine because I go to the 16th Amendment. I go to yes. the war bond tax. I don't need to go to any of that I stuff. I go to the Ways and Means Committee, voting it all in at Yuck. 3 a.m. And, and this passes all of that. Yeah. It just, so most of the things that we want in the world, we can get, we get already because we pay for them, right? There are some things that government provides through taxation that we would still get. If you, we, because the people provided it. Yeah. Right? And so people always go to the, what I would say the hardest issues. And in my mind, the hardest issues are, okay, Mark, without taxation, how are we going to fund things like the police, national defense, private court systems, private. things like that? Yeah, right. I mean, there are answers here. In fact, look, I'm not originating any of this stuff. No, of course There's not. much yeah. written out there. If you're interested in this topic, how can we have a civilized society without taxation? There's lots to read out there. Oh, so yeah. I, I am not... Tons and tons. I do not want anybody to mistakenly think that I am originating these ideas. I'm not. I'm just thinking them through. And I'm saying as a, as a moral position, I think taxes are wrong. I, I'm, I think theft is wrong. I'm not going to engage in theft. I'm going to come up with creative ways, peaceful ways, if you will, to get the things that we need to get. So how, I mean, I think we can say taxation definitely violates the rule, right? And let's keep in mind, um, there are lots of charity things that, that are good things that are done with tax proceeds, right? It would be unfair to say that the government and all of its taxation use wastes all that money. They waste a good deal of it. But not all of it. Lots of bridges to nowhere. Some of it goes to very valuable charities. Sure. But you know, to be fair, even with the tax system, I checked this out, in 2017, Americans, even with the rate of taxation that we suffer from now, from the federal, the state, property taxes, sales taxes, estate taxes, all the other craziness, inflation, we have to count as a tax as well. Americans donated voluntarily $410 billion, with a B, dollars to charity. Yep. And show me anywhere in the world, there's a giant crisis, a tsunami, an earthquake, quake, a hurricane. You know what's going to happen. Americans, as well as people in other countries, good people, step up and voluntarily open their wallets and display one of the aspirational values of the live and that live movement, voluntary kindness. Oh, absolutely. And we have every reason to expect if taxation ended and people had more control of, I don't know, 50% of their money. Because when you add it all up between income taxes and sales taxes and property taxes and user fees and gas taxes and endless, endless, endless taxes. It's over 50%. But imagine if people had 50% more of their own income to decide for themselves what they wanted to purchase. I can guarantee you more than $410 billion will be given to charity. Oh yeah, absolutely. The the more you have, the more you give. And imagine that world, right? Because now we have a more efficient charity system. Yes. Now we've got charities competing to do more important work that before some of which was handled by the government. Could you imagine a free market sorting out where the most efficient charity, where are the best uses of charity? And of course, people have different ideas. Why have a one-size-fits-all charity operation, which is what the government is, where the government decides? When you know one person, for me personally, 
I send money to Africa through UNICEF because to me, that's a place where uh, people have really very, very little opportunity to dig out of the horrendous poverty that they're in. That's my choice. Right. Who should decide where my charitable dollars go? Absolutely agreed. Other yeah. people have different opinions. Sure. So I think that private charity gets us a long way. But still, let's say there are going to be some things that we still got to fund that people aren't going to voluntarily fund. How can we do it? Let's talk about it on the other side of the break. That sounds great. Thank you so much. Again, if you're just joining us, Mark J. Victor, Attorneys for Freedom Law Firm. You're listening to the Peace Radical Show. I'm Keith Johnson, and we'll see you after the break. Okay, and thank you. We're back. My name's Keith Johnson. You're joining the Radio Ranch Network with Mark J. Victor and Attorneys for Freedom Law Show and the Peace Radical Show. Mark, how you doing? How are, you know, I'm excited about this stuff. This is probably the number one thing I think that people, when they say, yes, I love living that live, I love what it's about, but I just don't know how on earth we could possibly, the world could run without taxation. And this is really, to me, just a failure of really thinking it through, right? I mean, first off, if uh, I know, I, this reminds me. I had a real fast story here. I once had got into a big argument with a school teacher, and uh, the issue was if the government stopped um, sending the trash truck around, we'd all be screwed, right? There'd be no one to take the trash. She said, "I don't have a, I don't have a truck." She clearly doesn't know what a curb is for. Well, her point was that if the government stopped bringing the truck, it would just pile up. She says, "I have no way to bring anything to the dump," and I said. I said, well, what would happen next? What do you think would happen? Trash is piling up, right? And we we need to ask this question more. What would happen next? And I walked her through it. I said, imagine the government stops sending the truck. Then what? She says, well, my trash is going to start piling up, piling up, piling up. I said, well, wouldn't you take it to the dump? I don't have a truck. Okay, well, what would happen next? She says, I don't know. It just would pile up and pile up and pile up. Do Do you think maybe somebody with a truck might say, hey, by the way... I'd be happy to haul it for a fee. Right. And someone else might say, well, look, I, he's charging a lot. I can do it for less. We don't need farms in this country. We've got grocery stores, right? Look, <laughs> this is a great example now of what happened, right? Um, people couldn't go, didn't want to leave for coronavirus and go to the grocery. How am I going to get my groceries? I don't know. But guess what happened? Look. In, during the coronavirus pandemic, all these other little companies. Delivery to the rescue all over the place right. at good rates i got a buddy i had i had breakfast with him this morning he's making a living and a good living he makes almost a hundred thousand dollars he delivers stuff from target he sits out front he's on a part of an app there are apps now right people want stuff from target lots of them are groceries and things like that he goes in he buys it and he delivers it and he just keeps doing that. This was unimaginable years ago. You, you correct. Your your teacher never heard of a fifty gallon drum, huh? We yeah, no <laughs> kidding. But you could imagine private companies, and I guess that's the point here, right? If there's really a need in society for some service that is void, right? That's just a vacuum there. Look, this is what entrepreneurs do. They search around looking for such voids in the market to be the first one to rush in and fill it. So a lot of these things that you might see and say, oh, this is a problem or that's a Don't worry. Creative entrepreneurs are going to rush in for a fee. But yet I hear I can hear them through the microphone. What if I can't afford this or that? And how am I going to get this? And how am I going to get that or the justice system or national defense? Let's assume for the sake of discussion there are going to be some things that 
either poor people can't afford that are absolute basic necessities like police protection or or even worse say people get charged with crimes and they can't afford an attorney a legal defense they right. got to get a public if we want to give people a fair trial and i damn sure do if i'm accusing someone of violating the rule i insist on a fair trial with all the accoutrements of due process i want the i's dotted and the t's crossed that means they're getting a free public defender right we got to fund that how are we going to fund that? It, I remember a bumper sticker years ago. Uh, what if the military had to have a bake sale to uh, get an airplane and uh, the schools got all the money they needed? I don't want the military to have to do a bake sale either. I think we need to come up with ways to fund things that we need to do. Now, we could probably stand. Look, imagine, in a, in, imagine we start moving the world closer to peace. We could use a lot less military. Well, let's get let's the, think uh, instead of thinking America first. And I understand the idea behind America first. We need to think win-win. Right. We need well, instead of Amer- us us and them. Let's think win-win. Let's think of let's come up with ideas that benefit America in a huge way, but also benefit other countries. Let's ferment peace around the world because peace is a lot less expensive than war. But just moving on to some ways we could fund things really fast. Did you know about 37% of all the, the land in the United States is owned by the government? Yeah, that's amazing, too, because in the 30s, 50% of it was owned by the people. Can you imagine? That's, that's an awful... Well, if that's true, then the people own more now than they did before. Yes. But, okay, fair enough. 37% of the land... By the way, this is some of the best land. Yeah. These are our best parks. These are our best places to go and see. Look, our country is... I know nobody's talking about it, and it's not fashionable to talk about cutting spending or the debt right now, because we're in a world where both sides are happy to keep writing checks and sending money out and charging up the charge card. We're at 26 trillion now over 26 when i yeah it's that amazing not too long ago when i ran for united states senate against jeff flake um i remember uh, talking in the outrage of a, a 20 20 trillion dollar debt right and here we are now at 26 Six. and climbing and climbing and climbing yeah. and so um what do you do when you're in this kind of bankruptcy what would you do right if you were piled up in debt and you still had assets oh, mark i've got an idea frankly i've had it for years it uh it involves a chain letter and five pesos, but I haven't worked out all the details yet. No, keep working on that one, Keith. <laughs> Good luck with that one. I like the idea of raising money. We got to urgently get this debt down. We, I think we can do it. The government's got assets. Do we want to sit and wait until we become Greece or Venezuela or the right. Soviet Union? We have a giant Which financial can collapse. Happen. Of in, eight, in 87, I remember watching on TV, 86. I remember. Black in Monday. Russia, the guy's got... $100 bills in his You know, he's a Wall Street executive in Russia. And they're standing out in front of 50-gallon drum line and scars with rubles. Yeah. $100 bill. The world, and then in Greece just a few years ago. The world is filled with places that and kept, nobody thinks it can happen here. Right. They kept charging and charging and charging. And then you have a financial collapse. We got to get serious about this debt. We should Agreed. never have racked it up in the first place. We wasted trillions of dollars. But we need to deal with it. As it is, if we pay it off the way we're going, we're talking about our great-grandchildren paying the bill. We got to We got to sell the land. Yep. Okay? Now, there are ways to sell the land uh, that avoid the horrors that we're thinking about, right? Right. And so, land can be sold with restrictive covenants. 
and reasonable restrictions. Like you were saying off the air, we do that all the time in historic buildings all over the country. Yeah. You buy an old historic house. Gosh, this is quaint. I love it. I want it, I want it to look just like it did in 1930. Okay, well, you got to keep it that way. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, what would we find? Okay, if we sold off the Grand Canyon, uh, we're not the guy who wants to put a pig farm there is not going to buy it. Right. <laughs> right. The guy who wants to put a Ford dealership on the edge of the Grand Canyon, he's not going to buy it. How do I know this? I know this because in a free market, land rises to its highest and best use. Right. And I don't feel like probably selling Fords on the edge of the Grand Canyon is probably the best use. Right? Probably not. So imagine well, if What we, about a roller coaster? I don't know. Depends what people <laughs> want. I don't, I don't presume to speak. Who can no, raise I, the most money for that land? Will it be the Sierra Club? Will people say, you know what? We like it exactly the way it is. We don't want a thing changed. And maybe the Sierra Club says, you know what? If we buy the land, we're going to keep it exactly the way it is. And people can put their money where their mouth is and donate to the Sierra Club and let them be the highest bidder. Right. That might happen. Or it might be the Four Seasons. Right. The Four Seasons might say, you know what? Our, our estimates show that there's so many people in the world who would love to come and enjoy a tastefully done... Luxury uh, hotel. Luxury hotel on the edge of the Grand Canyon done with restrictive covenants and maybe a homeowners association in a way just like the Enchantment Resort in Sedona is done. Right. If you, I stayed there not too long ago. Very tastefully done. Uh, I don't think anybody's going to complain that, oh, it's ruined Sedona or anything like that. But you know what? You can have a nice dinner and listen to some music and enjoy the place. And uh, who, who am I to decide what the best use is? It's not my property. No, right. Sell the property. Let's get the debt paid off. Let's take the surplus. Figure out how much we need to run our operation every single year and put enough money in an account where it's invested wisely and we can live off the interest and use the interest, right? And the market right. has averaged a 10 to 11% since the Great Depression, maybe even better in, in the last several years. If we get 10% of the money, right? I mean, so uh, every million dollars we invest in this account, we get $100,000 every single year thrown off in revenue. Right. I mean, we can throw a lot of millions of dollars if we sell 37%. Imagine, Yosem what would Yosemite bring? Right. What would Yellowstone bring? Right. And by the way, look, private property is almost always kept up better than government property. Right. People who own that kind of property want to take good care of it. So I think we could resolve this entire issue by selling enough government land with restrictive covenants and homeowners associations and whatever we need to do to make sure things are properly preserved and the environment is protected and there's not pollution and we haven't ruined things and frankly i think this is just my personal view now and in an option a choice between going up to the grand canyon and standing there with nowhere to sit down no snacks to buy hardly a bathroom to go and nothing to do or a beautiful seat at a table at the Four Seasons outside overlooking the canyon right. where they're serving you the exact meal you like, listening to a jazz band. Helicopter rides to the bottom. Come on. This is so much better. Right. It really is. And so, but but again, maybe the Sierra Club raises enough money and there's enough people to keep it the way it is. But this well, is only one thing that we need well, to do. Well, maybe it doesn't even have to be that drastic. I, I can envision much more privately well-maintained trails 
totally. national parks yes. than are currently existing. People <laughs> like the Grand Canyon because yeah. they like it. They want to use it and enjoy it and keep wildlife the way it is. Are you telling me that private property owners can't do this? We're already doing it. we got private parks all over the place. We have private beaches all over the place. When you go and see, you know, some places say, oh, the beach can't be sold off. They all have to be public. Well, there's plenty of places where they're private. And you know what? They're great. Right. They're kept up nice. The pollution is kept down. It's litter-free. It's maintained. Why? Because they want to attract people to the property. Right. That's why. So I'm not worried about But yet there are other sources here. Uh, despite our best efforts to try to get people to act in accordance with the live and let live rule, there will be those who don't. Right. And they got to get a scrupulously fair trial. And if they're found guilty of violating the live and let live rule, they should be punished. How can they be punished? Well, maybe they get thrown in prison or jail. Frankly, I think that we oh, we far overuse that remedy. We, we were talking we, about that last totally. Segment. We don't. Yeah. We have way too many people in prison. Oh, yeah. So say we put them on probation and charge them a fee. We can charge them fines. Right. People will pay fines. They do now. Sure. In fact, DUI is one of the biggest fundraisers. Money makers in a state. Huge sure money maker. Yeah. Huge money maker. Yeah. We, can't we? Can't we run this and take those fines and support the justice system with the people on the backs of the people who have violated the live and let live rule? Let them pay for their public defenders. And let them pay for the cost of their incarceration. Let them pay for the cost of their probation and their rehabilitation. And that's what, how it is in many countries. Uh, if you don't have family members bring you food every weekend, uh, you're in trouble in jail. Yeah, will this cover everything? Maybe not. I don't know. But there are, there are ways to generate revenue here. Let's without taxes right? right we have enough revenue in this country to run everything strictly on totally. a private totally net. i mean the idea is ludicrous that we don't what about a national lottery uh, what about a patriotic I, you just took the words out of my what mouth. about a patriotic love america live and let live lottery right now in california uh, uh one of my lovely ex-wives was a school teacher in california and she used to get a check to her every month from the california lottery to improve her her uh classroom you know buy little borders and she'd take it over to walmart and her and all our other teachers and so we're doing it already the yeah. california lottery supporting right. education imagine how to much, some degree imagine how much better and more robust this idea would be if we said look we're going to do away with taxes we got important things to fund fund the lottery if you play the lottery play this lottery right. we use the oh, proceeds yeah. to support public defenders and police and national defense and some other things and uh, important stuff needs to get done. Play the national lottery and be patriotic and support your country and all these things. You know how much money this will raise? Yeah, well. Come on. And and how about reducing the cost of government? Well, that's the period. other thing, right? I mean, if you follow the live and let live rule, what's the government's role? The government's role is what the founding fathers thought it should have been in the first place. Right. To act as your agent to protect you from violations of your rights. Their job is to fairly and reasonably administer the live and let live rule. Not lobby for $80 million a year? Well, it, it depends what's going on with that money. There is gonna, right. There's going to be money that's needed to administer the live and let live rule. I think we can sure. do this. Also, there's you know creative insurance things. But I've right? wanted to suck money out of government forever. I think that our senators and our congressmen should be paid so little that the only people that want to serve are the ones that really want to serve, totally. not make money. Totally. And our government is one of the biggest violators of the live and let live rule. Mm-hmm. So if they stopped violating the live and let live rule, that would cut down many of the things they're doing, which would cut down many of the cost of government. If we start fermenting win-win policies that are pro 
peace around the world. Maybe we don't need our troops in all these countries. We don't need to be the world's police. Maybe we don't need to have all these expensive nukes. Can't we come up with some agreements to reduce nuclear proliferation around the world? Can't we save money on these expensive defense systems? How much money a year do we pay on the war on drugs? Yeah, do we do we need to How be How much money? Yeah. Do we yeah, the war on drugs alone, last time I checked 69 billion dollars spent blown Wasted. to try to protect people from themselves. Right. To try to stop competent adults from putting things in their bodies that they choose to put in their bodies. Right. I think we talked about that off the air last time too. The great thing for me, just the mere fact that it cuts the hands off of organized crime totally. is enough for me. Totally. Yeah. But if we, if we, just to take the criminal justice system, if we just we, follow the live and let live rule, which means immediately all victimless crimes are gone. Bingo. There is no yeah. such thing as a victimless crime. We can kill the entire drug war. And, and you know, don't get confused about this. If somebody's acting violent then they violate the live and let live rule. Sure. We can end the entire war on prostitution. But again, same thing. Pimps violate the live and let Absolutely. live rule. So we could end all of the crimes on gambling. And there are many, Of course, by if the it's way. legal, you don't need the, the, right, the becomes, upper, you don't need the upper level management in it, the prostitution. Right, in a legal world, you, you get a legal service and you don't have bad guys running yeah. the show who can't, who can't enforce contracts. Didn't the IRS court. run the Mustang Ranch for a while back in the 80s? I don't know. That's what I heard. I don't know, maybe. Wouldn't surprise me, I suppose. But um, look, so I guess what we're saying here is we can really chop down a lot of the things that the government is doing. And you know, uh, homeowners associations can do a lot, right? People move in and they pay, they say, look, if you live here, you got to pay dues to the HOA. The HOA provides water. The HOA provides power. The HOA can provide local police service just fine. Make sure and your neighbor doesn't park a broke down five liter Mustang in your driveway. Whatever the rules, <laughs> the community decides, right? right? And so... Uh, what would happen? Well, I guess that the police department, the local police people would say, yeah, I'll pay for local police, but not national defense. But if you think about it, uh, wouldn't you want some sort of rider on your uh, police, local police policy such that, well, if your car gets stolen and it shows up on the other side of the country in Maine, yeah, we got a deal worked out with the private police up in Maine and they're going to get the car and return it. Okay, we get the same rider or same aspect for national defense, right? You pay a few dollars extra or whatever it is extra, and some of that money goes to national defense. Right. Or and it goes to national sort of police services that we need to track down the guy who left the local community and now went across the country. We can figure this stuff out, folks. Right. We can look we Redistribution. have to we have to commit to a society that outlaws all aggression. We gotta find creative ways around this stuff because you can never aggress your way to a peaceful world. It just doesn't work. If you could if you could do that, if you could force people to act peacefully, as ridiculous as that sounds, this would have happened a long time ago, and it hasn't. So I guess what we're saying here is let's put our minds together. Let's first agree to not violate the live and let live rule, and then Let's let's commit to that and then let's find ways to voluntarily fund the things that we need. I know we can do this and we have to do it if we want a peaceful world. Love it. Mark, we're out of time. Thank you so much once again for sharing these values and views with us. It's yeah, it was exciting, a great time. It's looking, exciting stuff. Looking love, forward to the love, next show love already. To, love to have you on board. I know the listeners are excited about it too. Make sure to visit liveandletlive.org. Uh, and a attorneys, lot of great stuff. Always get a hold of me through my website, attorneysforfreedom.com. Absolutely. Thanks for, thanks for being with us. You're listening to the Radio Ranch. I'm Keith Johnson, Mark J. Victor. Till next time.